0: How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And if you haven't yet, I know I've said it many times before, but make sure you subscribe on whatever platform it is that you're listening on and share it with a friend. Tell them what's up. My guest today is a friend of mine who had me on his podcast a few months back called Struggle to Strength and whose fitness advice I really appreciate. I've been on a big fitness kick lately some of you know and his message and you know his methodology is something that i've taken to heart and it's really worked for me so i wanted to have him on the podcast to talk about it and we covered all kinds of great stuff as it pertains to fitness and health and well-being talked about blood work and the importance of monitoring that to achieve your goals and uh we covered a bunch of other things too he's a great conversation Um, Somebody who I think is a wealth of knowledge and that you should definitely follow. His name is Josh Levine. I hope you enjoy this episode. But before we do, a special announcement from the sponsor of this podcast and everybody's favorite specialty roast coffee, Action. If you haven't gone to drinkaction.com, that's Action with a K, and signed up for a subscription, you're actually in luck. Starting the 15th of the month and running through the end of August, all subscription orders will be 30% off. That's right, folks. 30% off subscriptions at drinkaction.com. Make sure you grab your favorite specialty roast coffee. Make sure you grab a bottle of active. Make sure you get some apparel while you're there. Rep your favorite fighter, Anthony Rumble Johnson. Grab some Rumble Time specialty roast, or maybe you grab some fuel, some MCT bombs. Whatever it is, make sure you sign up for the subscription because you'll save 30% off. That's right, 30% off. And if for some reason you don't want to do that, but you still want a discount, use code word curious, you'll save 15%. And as always, enjoy this episode. trying to get used to that new little feature right there dude me too
1: i used to well actually i think when we recorded you travis and i was before that had rolled out and you can just be recording when somebody comes on and it doesn't let them know and you get some really good juice out of it
0: that's been a it's been a weird one man That, that uh that dynamic i've had a couple people who have been like weird when they got on they're like hey you're not recording yet are you or after a couple minutes they're like are you recording And I was like, yeah. And they're like, Oh, I need you to delete all that. And, and I get it, you know, but then I'm also kind of, I'm a little disappointed in those moments because it makes me think that everything now is kind of somewhat unauthentic. Yeah. I'm like, you're not, you were being real. And that's what I, that's, I don't want to talk to you just be for you to be fake to me. So I don't know. It's, it's tough. I get it, you know, but. Yeah. it, It makes it a lot more fun. I mean, you know,
1: we were doing. We were always recording right when people came on, and uh, you know we had a we had a couple guests who were a little uncomfortable with it. They were like, "Wait, are we recording?" Uh, and then we had a couple who were like, "Oh man, that's amazing! Like, I should not have said any of that."
0: Well, I've got like, some good stories. Like,
1: you can keep it in though.
0: A <laughs> Couple of them that I'm still working on. People, I'm like, hey, I know you didn't want me to put that in the actual episode, but any chance I can maybe put it out as like a blue, like just something funny because you're taking yourself too serious. That's, you know, people, I, that to me, I was, when I did this, I don't know if you can relate from, you know, you have a, you know, a lot of different things from a digital media perspective. And I was so over the top focused on making it perfect. I would go through, listen to a two hour episode and like, oh, I stumbled over my word there. I mumbled, I said the wrong thing. And I would put so much time into trying to clean that up. And then I would listen back. And I was like, man, it's it's like vanilla and flat. It doesn't sound like a real conversation. And the ones that I was rushing and just like, you know what, it is what it is, publish. I would get a lot of great feedback. And then you start to realize that it's not normal to have conversations with two humans or multiple people and be like perfectly concise. And I like to be econom- economical in my words, but I also don't want to be like, unauthentic and i'm a small town dude from pennsylvania so you're gonna get a little bit of mumbling and rambling from me
1: <laughs> yeah i mumble i speak fast uh, i've been told a lot of these things and um you know i was the same way when i when i first started trying to record videos for YouTube or for my instagram this is when i was horrible at editing and i'm like all right i gotta nail this i gotta dial it it's gonna be like a three or five minute video and I can't screw up. And I would sit there over and over and over again and try to get the perfect take. And finally, it would be okay. And then now I start recording something on my Instagram story and I, and I screw up and I mumble and I sound like an idiot. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to post that. And then I'm going to post what I was actually trying to say. Because yeah, people, I think people relate to the authenticity of fucking up. Can I say that on this podcast?
0: Oh, fuck, yeah. Okay, all right, good.
1: (laughs) But yeah, I think people relate to it because nobody's perfect and they don't want, like they can't relate to somebody who is perfect.
0: So true, yeah. I I turn it off or tune it out, you know what I mean, when I hear that? Because it just comes across disingenuous because I don't buy it. And even if I do, I know I'm so far from perfect. And what I see is myself in the future, like this, Version of myself that I strive to be, I don't strive to be perfect. So, like, I, I don't even strive for that because I know it's not possible. I just want to be better than yesterday. So, it's, uh, I don't know, it's interesting. But I, you, so I met you through um, Zach or um, Travis. Travis, why am I saying so? Yeah. No, I met you through Travis. Yeah. Um, did you guys grow up together? There was like a dynamic there. Did you guys meet as, young professionals and kind of like have a lot of similar things in common?
1: Yeah, so Travis and I met in college. We both went to Champlain College. We both grew up in the Northeast. So we were both kind of just, we were brought up in similar situations. We were just Northeast boys who were like getting drunk in the woods and fighting people. And so we got to college and I had met him and a couple of his friends that he grew up with and we all just instantly hit it off. So we've been friends ever since. I mean, we were close while we both lived in Vermont. We went to school at Champlain College in Vermont and then he had moved to California. I moved, I, I stopped in Colorado. I was like, I think I like it here. So I stopped in Colorado and now he's back in Colorado and he is doing his photo video media business and I'm training and we just kind of got back together and we've been working well ever since. So yeah, there is a dynamic there. We, we we definitely can bounce off each other pretty well.
0: Yeah. Now, Northeast, I mean, that's, I'm a, I'm Northwestern Pennsylvania, a little different than Vermont, but I, I feel you. That's, uh, that's a cool place. Which part of Vermont did you grow up in?
1: So I, we actually, Travis grew up in New Hampshire. I grew up in Rhode Island. Oh, okay. Yeah. So real small state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know how it is like East Coasters are East Coasters, more or less. So yeah, we, uh, I grew up in East Greenwich, Rhode Island, Travis grew up in Conway, North uh, New Hampshire. And then we both met in Burlington, Vermont. Burlington is just an awesome place. So yeah, I've never been. Oh dude, it's beautiful. I mean, everyone goes in the fall. So I kind of want to tell you to go in the fall but they only go to see the leaves to get all the leaf peepers. Um, I went there cause it was the cl- pl- it was the place I could go snowboarding the most that wasn't so far from home in Colorado. So I stayed a little bit closer to home, went snowboarding 100 days a year,
0: (laughs) already did a bunch of dumb shit. (laughs) It was a good time. Yeah. So fitness is your kind of, your niche. You're, uh, I see a lot of stuff and I told you I wanted to touch with you a little bit. I'm it's kind of a huge part of my life. 10, Mm -hmm. 15, it's, it's hard to believe. Like I think about it, it was like 10 years ago. I was all into powerlifting. I used to do a lot of powerlifting competitions. And, uh, I got into business and it just like took a back seat to my life and probably like a lot of people. I'm so not the exception in that it's just priorities took over and 10 years went by so fast and I would periodically bridge the gap and like go to the gym for like a three or four week stretch where I was getting there. And I've always maintained being active. I'd still do things. I'd go for a run, but it was such a difference because I was the guy that was at the gym in the morning at five 30, doing cardio for an hour, hour and a half stretch, would go to work, would come home, change, go back to the gym, do my weight training, sit in the sauna. I mean, it was all I thought about every day while I was at work in between projects. I was like, okay, what am I doing next week for my leg workout? I mean, I'm sure I'm kind of resonating with you. You know what I mean? And then when, you just have a job or responsibilities that consume your mind. It was hard for me to stay on that, that pathway. And what I realized, I don't know, it was probably more than a year ago, it just took me a little bit longer than I would have liked to, to, to act on it. I started to realize that while I was pushing away something that I felt was kind of selfish intentions that like, okay, I gotta be an adult. I gotta, I have responsibilities. I have a family now. I have bills. I got to work. And I can't focus on going to the gym like that. And there's probably some like maybe I was a little over obsessive with it, especially for somebody who wasn't going to be a professional. I wasn't you know, doing anything. It was more for my own good. But over time, I felt like you know maybe I'm not the best version of myself in business that I could be because I'm not fulfilling those core fundamental things that I need to be productive you know and what i thought was actually going to be a time suck or drain me of any extra energy i had after i got back into it for that first couple of months and regularly pushing myself mm-hmm. i was like man i have a lot more extra time than i probably thought i had and i'm i'm much more energized even though i'm doing more things now and i'm seeing it translate into business, business success and into success in other areas, confidence, you know, I didn't realize how much self-confidence that I had lost in myself and that, you know, getting back to that, maybe it's selfish, but that's been helpful for me. So I, I threw, I just threw, dumped a lot on you there, but no, you, know, is that, that, you hear that a so, lot.
1: I hear that a lot, man. I mean, here's the thing when we're young and we get into health and fitness, we have a lot of time. And we have our health. We don't have a lot of money, but we have our time and we have our health. And we are able to dedicate a lot of time to going to the gym and being fit and healthy and doing the things that fit and healthy people do. And we can do it obsessively. Like we have the time to do it obsessively. You know, you had the time to be in the gym for three hours a day. That's a lot. A lot of people don't have that luxury. As we get older, we have less time. We have families to take care of. We have jobs that we need to be able to dedicate quite a bit more time to than we used to. And I think more often than not, people fall into this, this um, sort of never ending uh, cycle of trying to get back into fitness, feeling like they're failing because they don't have time and then falling off. And I think most of the reason why people feel like they're failing and they fall off is because they're trying to do fitness the way they used to do fitness. So they're still trying to go to the gym three hours a day. They're still trying to, you know, spend an hour in the morning doing cardio. They're trying to spend an hour in the evening hitting weights. They They want to do it the way that they used to do it, but life's not the way it used to be. So we can't just have an idea of what fitness is supposed to be and expect that you can change your life or fit it into your life the way that it is. Fitness isn't black or white. It's not all or nothing. Our lives are ultimately going to change over and over and over again. You're expecting a new new child. Like your life is for sure going to change. You may not have the time that you used to. You might not be able to train five days a week, two hours a day, but you could train two days a week for two hours a day. So we need to be able to be adaptable. And I think that's the, the hardest part for most people is if they can't do it all, they don't wanna do it at all. But I got clients making great progress on two, three days a week. I got clients making great progress not doing cardio. I got clients making great progress and they're not tracking all of their macros to the exact gram. They might just be tracking protein and calories because they have a family, their you know partner cooks dinner and you know all, they don't really know what's in it, but we can take a good guess and get to protein and calories. So we can be adaptable. We can modify the protocol to fit your life and not expect that you modify your life to fit the protocol. If you get that's, what I'm saying.
0: Oh, most definitely. That's, that's so exactly where I was trying to do things the way that I used to do them. And with the fear that like, oh man, I don't want to go five days a week if I'm not going to actually like get the results that I was before. So if you, you do, you feel like you have to, to do what you want. That's like the, you don't know what you don't know. And. Yeah. There's a lot I think that I've tried to leverage in the rest. you know what I mean? It's like, okay, I need, I need rest, my, especially as I'm getting older. My body needs to recover a little bit more. And I don't do anything, I probably should to like actually monitor um, you know my recovery. I, I don't wear like a whoop strap regularly. I've, I've messed around with stuff like that, but I always just kind of go off of my own feel, but I'm, I, I'm a horrible gauge to that, I'm sure. But I, I, that's how I've tried to fit it in now is like I'm in the gym probably four days a week, do jujitsu on off days. That's kind of supplemented a lot of my cardio for me at this point. And, you know, and then maybe try to do something active to get my heart rate up, some interval type training to try to, like, maximize that from a fat loss if I need it. But I haven't noticed as big of a drop off that I would expect 30% less time in the gym to translate to. And that was a big, that was like a big wake up call for me that, okay, now, maybe this is worth like staying with it that extra month now because of that. And now it's, it's that new normal. You know, I don't know if I could go back to the two times a day, I would almost feel now as if I am over training.
1: Yep. You could easily overreach and, and because you have so much more going on in your life, you touched on the topic of rest and recovery, man, when it comes to getting strong and building a, a, an impressive badass physique, I mean, dude, it all comes down to stress management. And we need to prioritize rest like you can train as hard as you can recover. It's not train as hard as you want. It's not trained as hard as you can. It's train as hard as you can recover. So if you have all of these outside stressors in your life of a new child, a hard day at work, multiple businesses that you're juggling, where entrepreneurs, like life is stressful, we have our families to attend to, maybe a deal fell through, maybe you fell down the stairs, like your life, you, your body doesn't know difference between any of these stressors. It could be an argument with your spouse, you could get punched in the face. It doesn't know the difference. So we need to be able to manage our bucket of stress because the body only pulls from one bucket of stress. It doesn't understand the difference. And if you're having a lot of stressors in your life, whether or not you think you're stressed or not, because most people who are stressed are just used to being stressed. So they don't feel stressed. We need to pull back on other stressors. Your training is a stressor. If you have a lot going on in your life and you're training six days a week, you'll make better progress training four, because you need to balance your stress recovery ratio. Not only that, But if you have a lot going on in your life and you're trying to train five, six days a week, whatever it is, and you only get three or four, you failed and you feel like you failed. So how can we restructure your program to not only account for the amount of rest and recovery that you can that you can muster up in a week, but how do we also program your protocols to give you the opportunity to win every day? If you tell me that you have a crazy life and you're trying to train four days a week and you only get three, you're going to feel like you failed because you missed a day. But if you have a crazy life and I told you to train two days a week, but you fit a third in, that's a big win. So you're like, I can do more. We'll, we're building confidence. You're more capable. You're finding time. You have more energy for yourself, your, your family, your business. How do we structure your protocols so that you can win? And how do we structure your protocol so that you can rest?
0: It's really interesting. Uh, Not to shift, but while you were talking about that, I kept going to this thought that I was having. Um, I think the name is Pavel Tazzolini. Is that the, are you familiar with him?
1: No, it doesn't ring a bell.
0: So he's, uh, I think I'm saying that last name, correct. Pavel Tazzolini. He's a kettlebell instructor. Um, And so his whole, and I'm going to really simplify this, but He does not believe in going to failure. He believes that you should use a weight that you can get, you know, comfortably eight times, you know, not max, maybe 80%, and then stop and take long rests and then do it again. Now, I've never really taken this and put it into practice. Uh, I think Joe Rogan talks about it all the time. He was really, really high on Pavel Totselini, And I think he had him on the podcast. I think probably like a lot of things with Rogan, like keto and all this other shit that it's, I don't think he really bites it off and goes all in as much as he may insinuate that he does. I, maybe he does, but he's talked about it a lot. And I've read some, some shit where I, I'm like, okay, I don't know enough to decipher how this is working, but it seems like the authorities that are talking about it would understand that enough where I have, some confidence in it. So I guess twofold, you know, is that methodology, a methodology that you're familiar with would recommend or could even understand how that would work? And you know, how, well, I guess I'll just, I'll just stop it there because I look at something like that. And if it's a really, po- uh, a positive way to drive outcomes, that kind of is a tough one when you're talking about limited time, you know what I mean? And, and if you're, Rushing things, you know, risking injury—it it kind of adds all these other unique variables into the conversation that you, that aren't there when you're kind of—you do have all that extra time to go in, get loose, warming up. I mean, that's another one. As I get older, I have less and less time to work out, and I need more and more time to get loose to to actually not hurt myself while I'm working out.
1: Yep. Yeah. We're, I mean, we don't bounce, you know, like we're getting older. And and even I, I see this in snowboarding now, you know, I used to, I used to bounce off of landings and and get up and be fine. And now I'm heavier, I'm older, things don't move the way they used to. I'm not as limber. Uh, so we do need to take more time to, to, to warm up and that's part of working out. You're, you're, you're supposed to be getting fitter, more capable, more healthy. Um, now, to the point of the kettlebell workouts and, and the uh, tatolini, if I'm saying that right, um, you mentioned getting to an outcome. So the question that you always ask yourself with any sort of training that you do, and with honestly anything that you do inside or outside of fitness, what is the outcome that you're trying to achieve? What is the intent of performing this exercise? With most kettlebell exercises, there is not, um, they're, they're, they're semi-momentum based. I mean, everything is still very controlled, but think about the difference between the deadlift and the kettlebell swing. It is, there is a greater risk of injury taking kettlebell swings to failure than there is taking bicep curls to failure, right? So when we're, when we're talking about training to failure, I think it's important to understand who's who's talking about training to failure, what movements we're referring to, and what the intent or the outcome, the desired outcome of that movement is. In my training, because we're in the bodybuilding space, because we are aimed uh, at building badass physiques, most of the time we need to build the physique, we need to build muscle, we need to add lean tissue to the body. Now. If you think of this from just a a strictly physiological perspective, we are organisms, our bodies do not want to die. If we put our bodies into situations where the body believes that if it is not able to complete that task, it is at risk of, of, of being in danger, then it will adapt to be able to overcome that situation again, such as with weightlifting such as with metabolism and everything else that happens on a physiological level as well. But if you go into a weightlifting session and you perform a movement very intentionally, we're, we're, we're talking like bodybuilding here, so very intentionally, not moving the weight from A to B, but moving the muscle through its fully contracted and fully lengthened positions until the muscle can no longer contract against the load, the body is going to say, okay, well, we're lifting weights. We're doing it for a very, at a very high intensity for a prolonged period of time. We need to get better at lifting weights. How do we get better at lifting weights? We add tissue, we add strength. Now the body doesn't know you're lifting weights, right? Like it doesn't know you're in a squat rack with the safeties set. It thinks that if you can't stand up, you're at risk. So it needs to get better at standing up out of the bottom of a squat Historically speaking, and and, and if you look at all of the most uh, impressive physiques and the strongest people in the world, um, and and, and especially looking at this from a bodybuilding perspective, all the biggest, strongest guys are the ones who train to failure. Mm -hmm. And they train until their muscles can no longer contract a load. And when I say train to failure, I, I want to be very clear here. We are not training the movement to failure. We are training the muscle to failure. Just because you can do more bicep curls because you start swinging your hips and moving your elbows is not going to lead to the desired outcome of growing bigger biceps. You are now training the movement to failure. Train the muscle to failure means being very intentional, focused on exactly what muscles are performing the movement and continuing that movement until the muscle can no longer contract against the load, not until you can't physically move the load anymore by moving outside of your preferred execution.
0: It's a really interesting perspective. I've never thought of it the way you did, as especially as it pertains to what Pavel has talked about, right? That I never drew the, I guess I never drew the inference about, you know, he's very specific around kettlebell. So his philosophy is really gain is really kind of geared around. To your point, you know, you're you're not going to want to train to failure with a kettlebell, so hence why he probably has that methodology. I've always trained to failure. I mean, that's for the most part. And Fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I probably probably have hurt myself several times doing it. I've, you know, and I'd be curious to your feedback. This is my bro science, it's worked. I've tried so many different, you know, splits and, you know, different protocols on how I've lifted. And the thing that I've always noticed the best from a, a size, growth, strength, just overall results is, I split up, okay. If I'm doing chest, uh, or I kind of I don't I hate even saying chest because it's more like a put. If I'm pushing on Mondays, right, um, and I'm activating a lot of my pecs, I'm secondarily activating my triceps, maybe my shoulders in that as well too, maybe even my lats, depending on what I'm doing. I if I'm doing really heavy um, lifts f- focused on that, I'm gonna supplement that with my secondary muscles like my triceps. And I was I usually do like a higher rep, um, focus on like burning out the triceps. Then on, you know, if that's on a Monday, maybe Thursday after I've healed up, I'll do a heavy tricep and shoulder workout and I'll do more of a high rep pump type chest workout where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm activating those muscles secondarily because I'm using triceps and I'm doing some push motions but I wanna flush the lactic acid out of those that chest that really got a heavy workout on Monday, kind of an active recovery on Thursday so that when I come back on Monday to do that heavy push, really focus on my chest, that I can, I can do that. But I'm getting two different sessions that are kind of two different ways for those muscle groups, if that makes sense. And kind of similarly with pulling, right? Maybe Tuesday's a really heavy back day, a lot of pulling. But at the end of that workout, I'm going to focus on my biceps and my forearms and maybe do some, some uh, resistance bands at high reps for my biceps to really flush that out and kind of vice versa. So you may look, you're probably going to send me an, you're already typing underneath where I can see you're like, dude, this is so stupid. You're the dumbest person in the world. But that's always worked for me for some way, shape or form. And I, I want to say it's probably generic, but it was from a muscle and fitness article that i read years ago and it was like kai greens uh like this is how kai greens growing his muscle bellies and it just it worked for me so i stuck with that methodology for years and years and years and it's literally as i've gotten back into the gym it's what I, it's kind of to what we said earlier it's what i knew and how i used to do it i've varied it a little bit but it's i've kind of meshed right back into that whole way of thinking again
1: yeah and it's it, that's not at all about approach. Um, essentially what you're doing is you're, you're, you're hitting one muscle group, each muscle group per week with a high level of intensity, intensity in this case, usually when I talk about intensity, I'm referring to effort. Um, but the definition of intensity as it refers to weightlifting would be like high weight, high weight, low rep. So you're, you're managing your, um, your intensity throughout the week. And if you're going to train muscles multiple times per week, if you're, if the other variables of your protocols are not perfect, uh, and you mentioned this, you know, like you didn't, you don't have a whoop strap. You're you're trying to monitor your recovery. If your other variables are not perfect, then that's a really great way to monitor and make sure that you are recovering effectively. Now, with my clients. We make sure that all of their biofeedback is perfect. We are trying to optimize your sleep, your hunger, your recovery, your energy, your digestion, your stress management, everything to make sure that we're keeping that like stress ratio really healthy. So there's not too much stress, there's not not enough stress. So a lot of people do respond well to that style of training. Another thing to think about is when people are new to training, let's take a a, a, very, a very beginner, uh, uh trainee. They don't quite understand how to connect to a target muscle. You know, they're doing push-ups and and they're we we talked about training the movement and the versus the muscle. They're just training the movement. They're they're going from A to B. They're going from the bottom of the push-up to the top of the push-up. They're not really focused on exactly how they're going from the bottom of the push-up to the top of the push-up what muscles are moving or what muscles are responsible for that movement, the better you get at honing your mind muscle connection. And what I refer to as intent, I have four pillars of training that I, that I abide by is execution, intensity, intent, and progressive stimulus. As you get better at those, as you become more intentful with your training, as you become better at um, being able to, you know, do a, a a chest press and really feel every ounce of tension in your chest from the fully lengthened to the fully contracted position, and you are essentially isolating the chest, you can get more out of less. So as a beginner, when you don't have a lot of uh, of practice honing your intent, honing your mind and muscle connection, you kind of need a lot of volume. You can do a lot of volume because we gotta be able to stimulate. And so we just do a lot of volume and you're doing your push day. Like, yeah, you're going to hit some chest. You're going to hit some shoulders. You're going to hit some triceps and you might be doing 15 to 20 sets. Mm. As you become better and very intentful with your training, you know, I'm at a point now in my training where I do one set per exercise and it's, you know, most of my workouts are between five and eight sets total. So I do one set per exercise and it's only because I've taken the time and I've, I've, I've earned the ability to only have be able to do one set. Now, granted that one set is fucking brutal. I mean, it is, it is not pretty. Uh, The movement is very pretty, but you know, I I black out, I see stars, my ears ring. Everybody sounds like the teacher from uh, Charlie Brown. You know, it's, we go to a very dark place. And the entire time I'm, I'm very focused on the target muscle and bring that target muscle until it can no longer contract against the load, sometimes with, um, uh, you know, it, it intensifiers like a drop set or a rest pause set. And so as you get better at your training as you become better at, uh, you know creating a a strong mind muscle connection, your execution becomes better, your intent becomes better, you can take your intensity to a new level where you don't even know who you are during that set anymore, or where you are, or who's around you, you're able to get more out of less and you can have you can do less sets. As, As long as your recovery is to boot, and your sleep, hunger, recovery, energy, digestion, stress, we track blood glucose, everything is is in perfect order then you can train with that level of intensity twice a week, as long as you have an appropriate amount of time between those sessions. And in that case, you may not have to alter, modify your intensity between those two sessions. So you may not have to do a heavy chest, light shoulder tricep, and then a heavy shoulder tricep, light chest type, kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. I, so I want to go into how you're measuring all of that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you said something that, I've always struggled with trying to explain to people around the muscle brain connection. Yep. Um, because I, I know what that, I know that feeling like, and I've heard other people who are really connected with their body and, and just from working out and they'll go and it's like, they have a bad workout because you just, it's, it's different than like, Oh, I didn't feel motivated today. It's, you can, you can feel the impact, the energy, of what you're trying to do and how it translates. I, I am it to, if you were to see like, uh, the human body, you, you can, so they show it like w- the muscle groups, right? It's like, I imagine I can literally feel and envision the muscles lighting up as they start to engage. Yeah. And I've had people look at me like I'm fucking crazy. They're like, Oh, get out of here. And I'm like, I'm telling you, like, as I'm standing here, if I wanted to kind of like grow the peak on my bicep a little bit, I know exactly how I need to move my wrist and hand to, to, to get that. I can feel it touching those different striations and the different It's Like I, I I know my body that well, and I definitely got away from that. And it's, it's a cool feeling being back in the gym as I'm doing things again. And I'm like, wow, okay. I remember this. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of back at one with myself. Um, So I, I just wanted to point that out because it, it, you you validated me because I've, I've had people tell me I'm crazy and I never knew how to really explain that or that it's a real thing. But oh, yeah. it's, uh, I know exactly where you're at and I'm sure people listening to this can relate as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's very real and and we're not the crazy ones, right? Like the people who are moving with no intent with no, in, in, with no intentional effort. I mean, you go into most gyms these days, any box gym, Planet Fitness, 24-Hour Fitness, whatever. You just see people moving weight from A to B. They don't know how the weight is moving. They don't know what muscles are responsible for moving that weight. And so they're just moving weight but they want to get stronger they want to grow muscle and so they're lacking the intentional effort of how that weight is moving and so the best thing that i think anybody can do and this sounds like a really nerdy thing to do but like you mentioned it here yourself is if you want to improve your mind muscle connection and you want to improve the intent with which you're able to lift or move a load study an anatomy chart see where a muscle originates and where it inserts and then focus on what the action of that muscle does. So you mentioned, if you want to grow your bicep peak, you know exactly how to turn your wrist. You know exactly how to position your, your your elbow. That makes a difference because people may not be aware that the bicep supinates. So if you like flex your bicep and you twist your wrist, you see that the bicep gets shorter and longer. So the bicep supinates the wrist. So if you're doing a hammer curl with a neutral grip, you can get more well, it would be your, your peak stimulation, your long head stimulation, if you turn your pinky towards your shoulder. So study the muscle and study what its function is. And then when somebody is struggling with this, something like what I'll, I'll literally do is say, look, I know, you know you're know you doing pull downs, for example. You're trying to get the bar from over your head to your chest. Well, instead of getting the bar from over your head to the chest, I'm, I'm, I'll put my hands on their back and I'll say, I want you to squeeze these two points together on your back by, you know, just up by your armpit to down low where, where your spine is around like L five or so. And I want you to squeeze those two points together and I'll, on their back. I'll literally touch them. Like, like with my fingers, draw on their back what I want them to squeeze together. And now they're not worried about moving the load. They're about worried about squeezing the muscle. Funny thing that happens when you squeeze the muscle and you move it through that range of motion, the load moves, the bar comes down on your pull down weight comes up on your bicep curl but now you're not thinking about moving the load you're thinking about moving the muscle through a range of motion from its fully contracted to fully lengthened positions now you're lifting with intent and i'll tell you what you will get the most insane pump of your life it's going to be a much more effective workout because you're actually performing things with intent you want to grow your lats train your lats focus on what they're doing squeeze them then you'll grow your lats, then you'll get a lot stronger. And not only that, you'll be much more aware of what's happening inside your body.
0: How much do you think ego plays into just keeping that from ever happening? Right. Because when you're the small guy at the gym, and we can all relate, like even for me, getting back in. I mean, I'm I've seen you. You're you're a freak, dude. You're i am striving very hard. At my <laughs> at my best, I mean, I'm a small guy. I'm 5'10, 5'11, a very small bone structure, lean. My dad's like 140 pounds soaking wet. Um, I always struggled. I graduated high school. I was like 155 pounds. Uh, I was too. I was really little. And then through college, I got I got into weightlifting. And then after college, I really got into weightlifting. As I was telling you, it was like everything to me. And I I was like 215 at my largest. Um, I was and I was big for my frame. It was hard. I mean, sometimes hard to sleep. Uh, it was hard to breathe my body just, it was probably a little too much for what, at least for what I was trying to do and what I was comfortable with. Um, And then when you're that big though, the confidence, like I, I didn't care about taking 25 pound dumbbells and really doing curls with perfect form in a way that was really accentuating a movement that I was trying to feel. But when you're the little guy, either starting out or getting back into it, you know, you go and it's like, all right, well, everybody's look, it's like, you have this subconscious mindset. Everybody's looking at me. So those 25s that I could pick up again, do, you know, for a couple of weeks and start to gain that muscle brain connection again, it's now let me grab the forties and I'm not going to, yeah. And I'm going to try to muscle it because I, there's a guy that's over there and he's watching me or (laughs) You know, it's, are these people see it's, it's all back to that ego. And I think a lot of people never have the opportunity to tap into what's going to take them to where they actually want to go because they're so short-sighted on not looking bad in front of people at the gym or just that self-confidence that they have because of it.
1: Yep. Ego is 1000% the enemy. Great book too. Ego is the enemy, but, um, I was also very small. You know, I was, I was 155, 160 pounds when I started uh, lifting and, you know, now I'm about 225 and to your point, yes, like the first time, you know, I, I believe that we have body weight set points that change. And I believe we have body fat set points that can also change a little bit. I remember the first time I weighed 200, it was not pretty. I was the, I had the highest body fat I'd, I'd had, you know, like when you reach a new high weight, your body is not used to it. And yeah, it's hard to sleep. It's, you know, sometimes sleep apnea develops. It's hard to go up the stairs, man, tying your shoes. Sometimes is hard. You got to go down, tie as much as you can and then come back up for air and then go finish tying your shoes. Like it's not always comfortable or convenient, Um, but the body does get used to it. And so, you know, at every body weight set point I've had, I found that, you know, it's hard for me to get there but then once I allow my body to get comfortable at that weight you know it's very easy for me to maintain and my life does become easier i can sleep better i can tie my shoes i can go upstairs you know i can i can be like relatively athletic um now your your other point was about ego and and yes as the as the smaller person in the gym especially men specifically yeah we want to we we want to be strong we want to be big I have much more respect for anybody who moves weight intentionally with great form than I do that moves a lot of weight less intentionally with poor form. Um, and you know, there's, there's times where I'm in the gym and uh, I'm using a relatively light weight. And there's been a couple of times where, you know, a, a smaller guy who's starting out has, you know, looks at me and he's got way heavier weights and he's like, that's it. Yeah, man, that's it. Just, you know, just focusing. Um, But yeah, ego is absolutely the enemy. And I think more often than not, men struggle with this. So what I find is that most men need to lift, need to drop their weight. They need to lift less. They need to focus more. Most women, and this may be because of the way that the industry has portrayed the way women should train, lightweight, high reps kind of thing. Most women need to train heavier and can probably be a little less um, focused on their form because not to say that they shouldn't focus on their form, but they tend to be much more cautious. They're afraid to lift heavier. They're much more calculated. You know, there's a fine line where if you're analyzing every single video of your squat and if it is off by a quarter centimeter and the bar path isn't directly over the, the, mid, the, the mid foot, and you're off by a quarter centimeter, so you don't go up. Well, you're probably not going to build a lot of muscle. There's a deviation of form that I believe is acceptable. I don't believe more than like 10% deviation from perfect is acceptable, but play within that 10%. You know, if you're 5% off of form, and you hit a new weight, your body's going to adapt to that. So most men, I believe need to drop weight and focus on form more and execution and intent. And most women I think can probably push the weight a little bit and allow for some
0: flexibility. Yeah. Without, without two, two guys sitting here telling women what they should do. <laughs> yeah. I, you couldn't be any more correct from my estimation. It's interesting. I, a lot of girls I think get very afraid of lifting heavier weights. Like, Oh, what's it going to do to me? But if you go to the gym and, and listen, What I'm into isn't what everybody else is into, right? I've seen some really unique couples out there. So I know everybody has uh, different likes and uh, desires. But for me, and what I think a lot of girls are are going and at least some that I've talked to, they go to the gym and they're trying to achieve something that they're unable to get. It's because they aren't lifting heavier weights. They're not pushing their bodies. They're not building muscle, which is important both for... I would assume their aesthetics, the shape of their body, a lot of the curves aren't, it's not just body fat. There's, it's, it's muscle that's, mm-hmm. that's creating that shape and that form. And then muscle also increases the amount of body fat that your body is going to burn. So when I look around the gym, the girls that have the, the plump ass and, you know, uh, an eight pack of abs and just look like all the other girls want to look like. They're usually the girl that's sweating a lot, that's under the the squat rack, that you know is is pushing weights a little bit more from a masculine direction than what most girls would think about. But I, I would say they have the best feminine physique that they have at the gym.
1: Yep. It, the The thing that I think is challenging for people to grasp is that if you're trying to build a badass body, you have to build it. Like it's not just underneath
0: the layers of fat Dude, that's so that that is the that is awesome that is so dead on yeah you
1: you have to build it i mean i don't know who's out there that thinks like oh all i got to do is lose a few pounds and i'll look just like that guy like no no you won't you have to build it if you just lose weight over and over and over again one you're going to crash your metabolism not that not that it's going to break it's doing exactly what you're telling it to do um, but it's not going to be optimal and two you're just going to lose weight and you're going to get skinny fat because you don't have any muscle underneath you. So there's a few things that I think are hard for people. And I think this goes both ways. People either have trouble gaining weight or losing weight, mentally speaking, mm. uh, physically as well. You know, for, for, for guys like us, you know, we were, we were smaller guys. It's hard for us to gain weight. Um, now, maybe you'll, maybe you'll uh, resonate with this. For me, seeing the scale go up, is not a problem at all mentally speaking like i'm i want to be huge Mm -hmm. but seeing the scale go down as a former skinny kid as a former number two pencil as a former kid who had no curve at all and no shape to him was just straight up and down with a huge six and a half foot wingspan like i do not like seeing the scale go down so when i go into fat loss phase mentally i struggle with it i remember last year i had to get under 200 pounds for prep and i was like oh god here it goes Mm-hmm. And even more recently, we, um, you know, I was eating upwards of, you know, five, 6,000 calories a day. We pulled my food way back, almost in half. And I was like, oh God, I'm going to wither away and disappear. The wind's going to take me. You know, I, I have a hard time with seeing the scale go down. A lot of people have a hard time seeing the scale go up. So if you were a, a larger person in your, in your childhood or, or previously, you're probably going to have a harder time mentally seeing the scale go up. I think most women have a hard time seeing the scale go up. So we have to remind ourselves that one, we're trying to build the body, which means we have to build the muscle in order to build the shape that we want. And two, if we're building the body and building the shape and building the muscle, that weighs something. So the scale is going to go up. Now, you might think that you have a goal body weight, but it may not align with your goal body vision, the, the way that you want to look. So, you know, we talked about earlier, the first time I weighed 200 pounds, it wasn't pretty. I was about 15% body fat. And, you know, as an ectomorph, a, a skinny kid, it was very hard for me to gain weight. So that was, that was the biggest I'd ever been. Uh, I had no shape. I was very, what you would just think I, you might not have even thought I, I'd lifted Like I was very skinny fat. Now, the last time I weighed 200 pounds was last year for my prep when I had to go under 200 pounds like we just talked about. I was ripped. I was the best I ever looked. So I weighed 200 pounds in both. In one, I hated the way I looked. In the other, I loved the way I looked. So the scale, we hear this all the time, is just a data point that gives us information about where you are right now. It doesn't matter where you were last year or the the year after. So if we're going to build the body, we have to get over the fact that we're going to gain weight. But what we're essentially doing is we're building muscle. We may add a little bit of body fat in that building phase. And we're building our shape. When we're finally at the end of our building phase, we're kind of like, all right, you know, I've, I'm really strong. I've definitely built some muscle. You know, my glutes are bigger. My chest is bigger. Like whatever your targeted muscle that you're trying to grow and build the shape that you want is growing. A lot of times, you know, we want a small waist. We want bigger glutes, bigger legs, bigger shoulders, bigger lats. That gives us that like X frame look, makes our waist look really small. Even if it's not any smaller, your glutes and your lats are bigger. So it looks smaller. So we build all this muscle. And then eventually we're going to be like, all right, I kind of want to see what's under the hood. And so we do a fat loss phase. We make sure that you're healthy, right? We do labs. We check your biofeedback. We check your internal health. We make sure that you're in a healthy place for a fat loss phase. And then we peel back all the layers of fat. We say, damn, I look good. I can see all the extra muscle I've built. I've got this shape now. You might still not be at your quote unquote goal weight, but you are at the way that you want to look. You feel really good about it. So we got to get over the scale. Scale is just a data point. We have all data points. I track like 20 something data points in all my clients.
0: So how are you doing that? Because I know there's there's some really cool, I recently came across some companies that do like blood markers and things like that where you can actually just go to their website and they'll send you a box and really well is one of them. Yeah. Okay. That might be the one that I, Mike Dolce. I don't know if you knew who Mike Dolce is. He's a, he's a former UFC. uh, I think he, he fought, but he also, he's like four time coach of the year. He's a weight loss expert. He does a lot of weight cuts for UFC fighters and wrestlers and things like that. But he, he always was talking about, I think it was that website. And um I mean, it seemed you could have results within like three days, of them sending you a box. Yeah.
1: So, Everly well, I I like and, and the at home tests are, are fine by by all means, they're fine. Mm-hmm. I usually like a little bit more data. Mm-hmm. So, what I do is is we have uh, relationships and we use uh, something you know companies like Life Extension is what I use now. I used to use a a, a website called Private MD Labs. Here's the thing, and I think this is becoming more uh, widely accepted is You can just order whatever labs you want. You don't need a doctor to order your labs.
0: That's where I was going because I I've had problems with that, you know, and listen, full disclosure, I've used, I've, I've done hormones. I've, you know, I've, I've taken tests. um, I've taken other, other supplements in the past. And so I was always very, you know, just out of my own self-preservation, I wanted to make sure my liver enzymes were at a good level. Where's my cholesterol at? It's like, I, you know, and listen, I don't want to, Uh, contradict any of your messaging and feel free to put me in my place if I'm wrong. But I, especially as I get older, you know, I think there is a healthy level, base level of having testosterone from a male's perspective to help with growth and just longevity and feeling energized. And there's also, I think some people that probably take it too far, but maybe not if their goals are, you know, going to require extra hormones and listen to each their own. Um, But I always struggled having doctors, you know, I'd go in and be like, Hey, can I get blood work done? And they're like, well, you just had a, a physical done last year. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I'm interested. And then they almost took a little bit of like, their ego takes a hit, because they're like, well, I'm the doctor, you don't need that. And then it's like, one time I made the mistake. And I said, well, doc, listen, I'm, you know, I'm taking, you know, 500 milligrams of testinenthate, I'm taking trembolone. I've got anavar. it's about ready to start, I want to make sure that I'm in a good spot. <laughs> and then I get this look like you're doing what? where are you getting that from? And then, you know, my stupid ass, I just keep going and going and eventually I need to shut up. (laughs) But you know, that was always a struggle. And I thought about that, whether it was me in my scenario or just somebody who has that interest, you know, I, Hey, I want to know what are my vitamins? Um, You know, and I don't know if other people, I never knew that that I could just like go out and get my labs done myself.
1: Yeah, I had to find that out. Um, when I was about 26, I wanted to start checking my hormones. And just like you, I go to the doctor. I had a, I had a feeling, you know, I've, I've been aware for long enough. I had a feeling that my testosterone was probably a little bit low. And to your point, I also believe that the health benefits of having a higher testosterone far outweigh the uh, negative benefit, the negative side effects of having low testosterone. Like, you know, there's research to show both can be harmful or beneficial um, but I believe that as as men we have a greater well one quality of life but two health with higher levels of testosterone so I completely agree with you there the problem is that in Western society our our, our medical system is very uh, prevention uh, is very uh, reactionary it's reactive it's not preventative so if I go as, as my 26 year old self, I went into my doctor and I said, Hey, I want to get my labs done. He said, cool. We'll pull TSH and we'll pull, uh, you know, your, your cholesterol or whatever. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want the whole picture. I, 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 I know that it's important to get more than just one data point. And this is my other issue with uh, a lot of, a lot of the way that doctors pull labs these days. Um, and they said, no, you how old are you? 26. I said, ah, oh, you're fine, I said, but I don't feel fine. So I had to end up going. You know, I found private MD labs, and I would order my labs there. And now I use Life Extension. It's less expensive, um, but you can order anything you want off there. Lifeextension.com. You can order anything you want. So what I do is I have my clients use Lifeextension.com and or, or whatever they, they like. If they have a clinic that they go to that will pull a full panel, I have a list of labs that I like to see. I need to see all those labs. Because if you go to your doctor and you say, hey, I'm curious to see how my thyroid health is, they're going to pull TSH and it's going to be in range and I'm using air quotes and they're going to say, oh, you're fine. And maybe they pull your TSH and it's at 4.2. That's high. It's in range. You're not going to die. but That's high. I know from a, from a health standpoint, you would be much better off by optimizing that level to, be, to make it, to get it between one and two. I also know that, I can't make all of my decision-making um, just from that one reading. I need to see TSH, I need to see T3, I need to see T4, I need to see reverse T3. I might even need to see your TPO antibodies to determine whether or not you're healthy enough for a fat loss phase. As an example, I just had a client who has very healthy um, levels of you know T3, T4. Her TSH is a little bit high, so we were working on that. Um, her doctor wouldn't pull a full panel, so I had her go get the rest of it had her pull her TPO antibodies. Her RT3 was a little bit high. Usually if RT3 is a little bit high, it's a stress issue. So we want to pull back on systemic stress. She also had TPO antibodies that were over 200, which tells me she has Hashimoto's. So if we went into a fat loss phase, we would have made that a lot worse. So I need to be able to see before we go into a fat loss phase or anything, to your point, if we're introducing anabolics of that nature, something that is going to be stressful on the body, I need a baseline. I need to know that you're healthy enough to go through with that process. I also need to make sure that it's going to work. You're paying me for results. You're not paying me to go through a fat loss phase. You're paying me to get the results of the fat loss phase. So if you come to me and you want fat loss and we get your labs done and your body is not ready for fat loss, I'm not going to give you fat loss. No matter how much you want. Now you can go find a coach who's going to and they'll tank your hormones, tank your metabolism, tank everything, and you're going to come back to me to fix it. But I'm not going to. Instead, I'm going to get you healthy, because it's very rare to see a very healthy person who doesn't look healthy. I'm going to get you healthy. I'm going to optimize all your levels. I don't just want them in range. I want them optimal. Then we'll go through your fat loss phase. So we're always looking at, at labs, and this is part of my method. Is I The method uh, you may be familiar with my, my, my product is the muscle building method. The method is a six-step process. The method is an acronym. The O of the method stands for optimization of your internal health and your biofeedback. That is the most important thing. So we optimize internal health. We optimize your biofeedback. We're then able to go through and give you the results that you want. And at the same time, we're teaching you how to do it for yourself.
0: It's a scary thing to hear. It's like, I think about the last couple of times that I went to the doctor, I recently changed because I I had a doctor, it's like, I'd go in, spend two minutes with you, ask you a couple questions. And to your point, it was all just reactionary. It's like, okay, I'm coming in because I don't feel well. And I can't go and get a prescription without coming to you and having you validate that I feel like shit for the last week. All right. And Until recently, I I went and found a DO, uh, you know, and I, I had the ability and the time to like meet with multiple different doctors until I found somebody who, you know, I sat down with and he spent 15, 20 minutes with me and was asking me all kinds of questions and, you know, talking about a lot of the things that you're talking about that other doctors never would ever say to me, talking about stress. You know, I had other doctors that would say, yeah, no, stress is bad, but it's like they couldn't quantify it. I don't know if they were ignorant. Didn't didn't know enough about it to want to have a, a conversation because I don't think that they didn't realize that stress was bad or whatever else it was, but you, know, you talk about diet and it's like when I start thinking it's like when was the last time you actually learned anything about nutrition like medical school twenty fucking years ago they take one course you know it's like <laughs> I know yeah. a couple of people who are doctors and I'm like it's even not to go on a whole nother rabbit hole, but I think it just speaks to the, this, this problem. Same with COVID. You know, it's like, you have all these people and it's like, they have an abbreviation in front of their name and now they're an authority figure on absolutely everything. And it's, how could you possibly be? It's such a broad topic and somebody that understands, you know, uh, nutrition doesn't necessarily understand virology and doesn't understand, you know, Mm -hmm. cardiology or neurology or, all these different aspects. And so a generalist truly is a generalist, but yep. we place this kind of, uh, you know, trust in, at least most people have, I, I certainly don't anymore, but this trust in, in that, Oh, because he got his medical medical degree, you know, well that went out the window when I know people who I went to school with that are now doctors. And I'm like, wait, where'd you go? Mm-hmm. Okay. And and what do you, okay, you know, not to, not to talk shit, but.
1: That's, yeah, exactly. But they're doctors. And so we believe them and we believe what they say, but they're, you know, they, they know, a, especially a primary care, you know, granted, there's some amazing primary cares. I love mine. I found mm-hmm. a great one, um, but they don't take nutrition courses like we do. They're the ones putting people on 1,200 calorie diets for weight loss when they're not actually taking into consideration their stress, their sleep, their current metabolic rate. They're probably been chronic dieting for their entire lives trying to lose this weight. You're just gonna further tank their metabolism by putting them on a 1,200 calorie diet, but they're a doctor. Now, the hard thing comes in when I have to tell you that your doctor is wrong. Because what do I know? I'm just a coach, right? But my doctor said, okay, well, let's talk about what your doctor said then because your doctor is missing crucial pieces of the puzzle. Your doctor only pulled your TSH. We have a lot more to go off of. So it is problematic, but I think there's a new wave of, of, of coaches like myself in the industry who are, we're who understanding that reaching your goals and let's even put it even, even, uh, even simpler, health and fitness must take into consideration your health. It's called health and fitness, not fitness and health. Health must come first. So there's a lot of coaches like myself that are that are, that are coming into the industry and are, that are changing it and understanding that fitness is health and fitness. It's more than just calories and working out. It's understanding how the body is functioning at an internal level, at a physiological level, optimizing those levels so that you feel good, you look good, you perform well, you sleep well, And by perform well, let's be clear, it's not just in the gym, it's in the bedroom too. It's at work, it's at home, it's everywhere. If we can get all those things to work the way that they're supposed to and undo all the years of chronic dieting, the years of trying to to cut corners and the bad information that you've gotten, it's not your fault that you followed it. It's what you were told to do. But if we can undo all that, we can get you feeling really good. The better you feel, the better you perform, the better you perform, the better your results are
0: funny, man, it's come full circle, right? I mean, I I started this whole conversation off saying how I took 10 years off it, my focus went into business. And it wasn't until I felt like I wasn't my best at business anymore. And I had to ask myself, I'm like, and not that it's kind of a weird thing to say. I I found myself exhausted, right? So I have had a new son, multiple business ventures, uh, doing this podcast. And I'm like, why am I so tired? I can't like, this is ridiculous. I'm not even going to that. And, and I would tell myself, how could I, how could I ever go to the gym? I can't go to the gym tonight. It's eight 30. I'm, I'm exhausted. But to your point, I wasn't thinking about the health and fitness. I was not living healthy. My diet was probably healthier than most, but it was nowhere near as healthy and as focused around my goals as it was before, you know, it was okay. Yeah. I'm going to eat chicken or set sa- like I eat, I eat healthy you know that's that's great but I would also you know late night toast or strudel or something like that you know because snacking because I didn't have the hour at the gym earlier that night where I mean that's a thing for me it's like it's easier for me to be strict on myself when I know I've put in the work um, and it's like okay I don't want to I don't want to offset all of the hard work that I put in this week so you know I'm gonna be a little bit harder on myself and maybe that's a weakness and that I, that I need to lean on that. But for me, that's how I've helped keep myself honest, but
1: I'm going to interrupt. I I wouldn't say that that's a weakness and I wouldn't say it's being hard on yourself. And I apologize for interrupting, but what you're you're doing is I don't think you're being hard on yourself. I think you're just being aware of what feels good, Mm. you know, like, yeah, you eat that toaster strudel at night and you know, maybe it doesn't agree with your digestion very well. And if your digestion sucks, your sleep sucks. And if both of those suck, your mental health sucks. And no one likes sitting on the toilet for so long that their legs go numb, you know? So I think as we become more in tune with being a fit and healthy person and doing what fit and healthy people do, it's almost like when you were sick for a really long time and then you feel better and you're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I never want to get sick again. And so where, you know, feeling really good, digestion's great, sleep is great, energy is great, your workouts are great, you feel good about yourself, and you're like, oh, well, I'm doing all these things that, that work really well for me. I know if I eat that, or if I stay up really late, or if I party all night, or if I make one of the decisions that I would have made in the past, it's not that I don't want to do those things, but I, I really value feeling good. So I, I don't think that that's an issue. I mean, yes, we can be too strict. You know, you we can eat just chicken rice and broccoli every I day. To, I like, used
0: to rinse my my cottage cheese. Oh God, yeah. See, there are there are. I mean, that's how bad. I heard a story about a guy rinsing cottage cheese, and I'm like, why am I not doing that? I used <laughs> to dip my salad, and I would get like ranch dressing, and I would dip my salad into. it. And I had somebody said, why do you why do you dip your salad? Like, why don't you just dump that on your salad? I'm like, well, because I eat salad five days a week, four days a week at some, usually like some meal. And I, I have a thing for dressing, but I, I think about if I'm only eating half of the dressing because I'm dipping it and I have a little left over. I was of the mindset that like, well, shit, man, that adds up over the course of a year. It's a lot of dressing I'm not eating. And it was like, I just would create these little tricks in my head and to, you know, I, I, I did take it too far. Like I, It was like body dysmorphia sometimes like I, there was, there was unhealthy aspects of that. So I don't want to pretend that I had it all under control. Um, And I think that's all a part of the process because as I've come back, I now recognize I was definitely not healthy getting away from fitness, but there were certainly unhealthy aspects of my health and fitness prior that as a mature adult, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, you can't do that anymore, man. That's a little ridiculous.
1: Yeah. It, 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 I think everybody does go through that. I mean, I struggled and still do struggle with severe body dysmorphia. Um, and, you know, when I first started getting into nutrition and tracking macros, um, I developed disordered eating habits. And I, I think some people do, but I think a lot of people kind of, if, if you're doing it yourself, you have to figure out where that line is. Now, if you have a coach, we're here to help you. So we're, we, we can see the patterns. We've done it before. We've screwed ourselves up. That's why we're good at what we do. Um, but the number one question that I think is, is valid and valuable for everybody to ask themselves in any aspect of their health and fitness journey, b- journey barring like competitors, right? The question is, is this sustainable? Can I do this forever? And if you answer yes to that, and if you have a good grasp of what you are willing to do forever and what is sustainable, then you're going to have much greater success than the people who are doing things unsustainably. You know, like I've definitely been in the position where like I wasn't even eating dressing. I was just eating raw salad with with just vegetables in it. Or I was using like a tiny bit of certain dress. Like I wasn't in prep. I wasn't, I just had an unhealthy relationship with food. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. I like being able to eat what I want to eat when I want to eat it but also in a way that helps me move towards my goals. And so part of what I, my goal is, is to help people understand how can I do this forever in a way that is sustainable and that doesn't feel strict and that doesn't take away
0: from their quality of life. So this is the full-time gig.
1: This is full-time man. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been really, it's been a, a journey. It's been really fun. I mean, we, we've been fully online uh, I actually just went online uh, during COVID of last year. Um, I had the infrastructure set up to go online and um, luckily I, I was able to transfer my in-person clients online. And now we've grown. I have multiple assistant coaches with on my team and we are the muscle building method. And and we provide a mentorship to everybody who joins us because we want to teach you how you can do it forever. And um The goal is exactly that. It's teaching people how to go through the different phases of their fitness, their their fat loss, their muscle building, their reverse dieting, which is absolutely crucial, and learn how to do it forever. It's our vision. It's our vision. It's our mission. We've been very good at doing it thus far, and we have no plans to slow down. Where's the, what's
0: the website? Is it the musclebuildingmethod.com or where can they? So
1: yeah, so that one, we're currently under uh, construction on that one, but I will be having um, musclebuildingmethod.com is actually just going to be like, I'm going to give away the the process, the six step process that we use. Cause I want everybody to know it. It's free information. You can have it. Now, the problem is I want to be able to teach you how to implement it because knowledge without application is useless. Our, our whole platform, the method is built on the concept of applied education. So we teach you how to do it. So I'll give you the method. I've got it in a PDF. Um, so yeah, musclebuildingmethod.com, joshlevinefitness.com will be where you can book calls. Um, but the best places to find me are on Instagram at Josh Levine Fitness, And then also join our private Facebook group called muscle building secrets where we give away stuff every week, whether it's guides or money, or we go live multiple times a week Um, tons of great value in there, all of our coaches in there. So if you've ever been wondering or had a question about what to do and you're searching the internet and all you're finding is generic information about what worked for that guy or this guy come into muscle building secrets talk to us. You can post in there. You can reach out to one of the coaches and we will talk to you to give you the best answer for you, not Joe Schmo, who you saw on the internet. And that's what is going to give you the best results because I mean, let's face it. Everybody's unique. We're all individual. We're all just looking for what works best for us. That's what we're here to teach you about.
0: I love that you're giving out the free content. I especially in today's world, everybody's a fitness expert, right? So if you've got an Instagram account and a, a tanning bed and some filters, you can be an expert. But I think you see a lot of that. It's like, "Oh, you're an expert, but you don't want you don't like you're not a thought leader in the space. You just post photos." So like, how how do I know you didn't even like fake? I I saw shit that blew my mind, man. Like people have these these filters and maybe I'm so out of touch but you can literally like change your whole physique and it looks fairly (laughs) realistic. So it's like, you don't even know that somebody's just got a money grab. You're going to shoot them some Venmo cash and you're going to get absolutely nothing. They, they know absolutely nothing. And I think to your point, it's like, Hey, I'm going to tell you here's, here's, here's the secrets. Here here they are. But by the way, it's probably smart to tap into the guy that is giving you the answers to the test. Uh, on, you know, probably might be the best way to do it. I, I don't know. It's, I love that. And I think it validates you and it gives people the confidence that they need to, to actually take those first few steps to commit to it, right?
1: Absolutely, man. It, it's it, it all comes down to knowledge and application. And, and I think to your point, everybody can be an expert on Instagram these days, right? Like everybody can Google an article, read it and then spew out what they learned. I think the best way to separate a good coach from a phony coach is to look at what they're talking about and are they just recycling information? Are they just spewing things and sounding like a textbook or are they talking about what they've done from their experience? You know, from, from, from experience, maybe cardio may not always be the answer for you to lose weight. And here's why. So let, instead of, blah, blah, blah. Here's something that I learned. I'm showing you what I've learned and I'm showing you how it's, I've been able to apply it in a certain, in a few different scenarios. And I want to show you how it would apply to you because it might not be the same.
0: That's so awesome, man. That's, I appreciate you coming on here. This has been a blast and being able to reciprocate. I know you and Travis had me on your podcast early on. And when we had that conversation, I'm like, you hit me with some really good questions and I started to like tap into your social media presence a little bit more. And I'm like, okay, this, I, I could tell, I think to your point, right. I was like, he's legit. Like that he's, this is somebody who's got a life full of experiences that have kind of made up what his foundation is built upon. And that it's, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here, have a conversation with me about all of this and, uh, and even humor some of my what I'm sure is a little bit of bro science on you, but (laughs)
1: Hey, I, I love it all, man. And uh, you know, sometimes there's bro science, but honestly, sometimes bro science is right. It's not always right. But um, I I really do appreciate you coming on, on our podcast and and having me on yours. Obviously we've uh, we've connected well. And uh, I, of course, when we had you on our podcast, like, yeah, I was very interested in you. I was like, this is a really cool guy. So <laughs> I'm glad that my questions felt good. I was just like, I'm gonna learn everything I can about this guy.
0: Oh, there's a lot, trust me. But <laughs> Yeah, keeps on going. Good. Right on, dude. I, I again, appreciate it. Everybody go and ch- check it out and listen. I, I don't know where this whole COVID thing is going, but to it, if this goes into the wrong direction, and okay, so I'm gonna back up. If you're still listening, and this interests you, and you need to make changes in your life. I I know two or three people right now off the top of my head who actually put their money where their mouth was, and so to speak, and they took advantage of this pandemic the last time and they changed their lives. It is possible to change your life in a very short amount of time, and is there, there's never been a better time to do it. So I would suggest everybody go check out what Josh is doing. Go look at his page, you know, follow along, go back a year, go back two years. You'll see that it's, it's not somebody that was selling cars and, you know, swinging golf clubs and all of a sudden found fitness when uh, it was really convenient to find fitness. But I think uh, if you guys are serious about it, you can make some changes in your life. And I don't know, for me, it's resonating. So go check it out instantly. I, I really
1: appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I started fitness and fitness changed my life and I, I know it'll change yours too. That sounds phony, but you know as well, Justin, like this will change your life. It does. I, I really appreciate those words, man. Thank you.
0: Most definitely. I, uh, this will not be the last time, I'm sure, but appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your evening and uh, looking forward to reconnecting in the future, buddy. Absolutely, man. Not too long this time, all right? For sure. All Jeff. right. Take care, Justin.